Hello, this is Peggy Joyce Ruth. Welcome to our podcast and hope you enjoy this teaching. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31. I'll be reading out of the Amplified. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31. It says, But earnestly desire and zealously cultivate the greatest and best, the highest gifts and the choicest gifts. And yet show I unto you a more excellent way, one that is better by far and the highest of them all, which is love. Okay, I call this Bible study, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. So we're going to be examining this more excellent way tonight. Now in this chapter 12, Paul has just discussed pretty much in detail, the nine manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Now, some people call them the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, can you think of anything that the Bible tells us that will totally be useless for the kingdom? Okay, now, I want to show you something here in context. He has just discussed the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, and now, in chapter 13, he's going to reiterate those manifestations. In verse 1, he talks again about speaking in tongues. He said, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, then I am only a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. Then he goes right on and he talks about the prophetic gifts in verse 2. He talks about the word of wisdom and he talks about all truth and all mysteries. And he goes on and, and begins to mention the word of knowledge. And then he talks about the manifestation of faith, which he says will remove mountains. But then he makes a statement at the end of verse 2, and he says, but if I have all of these things and have not love, I am nothing, I am a useless nobody. Okay, what he's saying, he said, you can have all these things, you can operate in all of these gifts, all of these manifestations, but if you're not operating in love, then it's not going to do any good. Now, he's talking about the God kind of love. He's talking about agape love. See, there's a soulish love and there's an agape love, just like there's a soulish faith. I can operate in a soulish faith. We all operate in a soulish faith. I can go and sit in that pew and I have the faith that that pew is going to hold up when I sit down it. And the reason I have that soulish faith is because it comes out of my reasoning. I've sat there before, so I know it's going to work. So... Just like there's a soulish faith, there's also a soulish love that comes out of our reasoning, comes out of our emotions. And there's so much difference between a soulish love and the God kind of love, the agape love, that I think it's a little bit unfair that we use the same word love to describe both of them. Now, not that there's anything wrong with having a soulish love too. We all, if we're married, we have a soulish love for our mate. We love them emotionally and physically and mentally. But if we stop with just a soulish love, we're never going to reach the highest potential that God has for us. And God's trying to stretch us toward the agape love, the highest kind of love, the God kind of love. Now, at the end of this verse 2, like I said in chapter 13, he's saying you can operate in every one of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. You can operate in the gifts of the Spirit, but if you don't do it with this God kind of love, then it's going to be useless, it's going to be worthless in the kingdom, and it's going to be lifeless. It won't have any life in it. And then he goes right on in chapter 13, verses 4 through 8, and he gives us the perfect description of the God kind of love. 
so we can know exactly what the God kind of love is. He says in verse 4 that this God kind of love endures long and it's patient and kind. It's never envious. It never boils over with jealousy. It's not boastful. It's not vainglorious. It does not display itself haughtily. This God kind of love is not conceited, arrogant, inflated with pride. It's not rude and unmannerly. It does not act unbecomingly. This God kind of love does not insist on having its own rights or its own ways, for it's not self-seeking. It's not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of an evil done to it, pays no attention to a suffered wrong, does not rejoice in injustice and unrighteousness, but it rejoices when right and truth prevail. This God kind of love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It's ever ready to believe the best in every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. It endures everything without weakening. This God kind of love never fails. It never fades out. It never becomes obsolete. It never comes to an end. Okay, when I read that, it's like I want to cry, Lord, I can't get there from here. I think we all feel that way. I have a feeling that when the Holy Spirit was giving this to Paul, he probably was thinking the whole time, Lord, I can't do that. I can't get there from here. The reason I use that expression, I can't get there from here, Jack and I use that all the time, because years and years ago when we were going over to Dallas, to DFW, to pick someone up in the plane, we got into the Metroplex and we got completely lost. We got completely turned around. So we pulled in this filling station and we asked that guy, it was late at night, and we asked him how to get to DFW. And he was serious. He wasn't kidding. He said, you can't get there from here. And I thought, what are we supposed to do? Drive back to Brownwood and start all over? So we had to go someplace else, and we got the directions, and we found out how to get there. So when I look at this verses 4 through 8 and read that, I feel just exactly like that guy at the filling station. I mean it. I'm not kidding. I feel like, Lord, there is no way that I can get there from where I am. But the good news is that just because that guy at the filling station thought that there was no way to get to DFW from that spot, he was wrong. All we had to do was find another person who could give us the right directions. And it's exactly the same way in this 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It just takes the right person to point the way. Now, we can't get there on our own. And that's why we have to hear not just what to do. See, I just read to you what you're supposed to do. But it's not enough to know just what to do, what the agape kind of love is. We have to know how to do it how we can get there. Now, if you'll remember, Jesus only gave us two commandments. He said we're to agape God, and then we're also to agape. We're to love one another as we love ourselves. So what he's saying, he's saying, I want you to love the God kind of way. And when you read verse 5, it tells us that loving the God kind of way is not self-seeking. It's not selfish. Therefore, if God is requiring us to love him, and we know that God is love, then we know that when he made that commandment and told us that we had to love him, he wasn't doing it selfishly. That was not a self-seeking thing. In other words, he wasn't telling us that we had to love him just for his benefit. It's also for our benefit. Now, later you can look up Deuteronomy 6.24. I use that scripture a lot, but it's so important. It tells us that when God requires anything of us, when he requires our obedience, it is always for our good and for our survival. In other words, he's saying everything in this book, every commandment, 
is to benefit us. So anything that he requires of us is for our good. It's for our survival. And the reason that he requires us to love is because agape love, or the reason he can require that of us, is because it's not an emotion. See, he really couldn't require it of us if it were just an emotion because sometimes you can't make your emotions do what you want them to do. But God can require it of us because it's a choice. It's an act of our will. And apart from making that choice, the Bible has already told us that we're going to be a useless nobody. In other words, nothing in our life is going to really work and count apart from this agape kind of love. For example, our health. Everybody wants to walk in divine health. It's a part of our covenant. So what does agape love have to do with walking in health? Well, our body is a very complex machine. And whenever we get anxious, whenever we get uptight in the soulish realm, you know, when we lose our peace, God knew that that kind of soulless condition would create havoc in our physical body. He knew that. We can't stay in the absence of peace on a continuous basis and walk in health at the same time. See, nothing brings peace to your whole body like walking in this agape love. The more we walk in it, the more peace we're walking in. And that's why walking in agape love is the biggest favor that you can do for yourself health-wise. It's the biggest favor that we can do for ourselves in any area of our life to walk in this agape love. And that's why God requires it because he knew it would be for our good and for our survival. Now, the world says, and they're really not far off, the world says that there are two kinds of people. One kind of people are the ones who get ulcers from others. And the other kind of people are the ones who give ulcers to other people. Well, when you think about it, in the world, that's pretty well right. They accept that as fact. But this agape love can change this cycle. Now, so often we think in terms of loving other people as being a sacrifice on our part to benefit them. You know, we think, well, if I'll just do what I'm supposed to do and as I love people, it's going to bless them. But that's really not what the Word says. The Word says that it's required of us for our good, for our benefit, for our survival. So when we learn to walk in this agape love, it's going to make every area of our life began to fall in place and to work right. And that's why I've entitled this, Yet Show I Unto You a More Excellent Way. This is the excellent way that God has provided. I was talking to this lady one time who bitterly hated her ex-husband. And by the world standard, she probably was justified in the way she felt. But he was just going on his merry way and he was happy as a lark. And she was making herself physically sick because of that hate that she was feeling. And when she finally got convicted and she made the choice that she was going to forgive him and she was going to love him the God kind of way, nothing by sight changed in him. But I saw an unbelievable change come in her. It was awesome. Her mental attitude all of a sudden changed. She became a happy person. I saw her body posture change. She found a new kind of peace. You could see that she just all of a sudden had peace. She wasn't revved up. Her mental attitude about life changed. And when that happened, her health began to change when she did what God told her to do. Her obedience to the Word here literally became survival in her case. Now, God requires us to love for our good. Now, that love will flow out of us and it'll change other people in time, but we're the one that benefits first. 
So yes, it is going to be a blessing to somebody else. But first of all, it's going to be a blessing to us. And he wants our mind to be renewed to the fact that our old nature is dead. And there's a new nature, the nature of Jesus Christ, that has been placed on the inside of us when we accept Christ as our Savior. And he wants to mold us to the point that it becomes the most natural thing in the world to walk in these verses 4 through 8. He wants it to just become a natural way of life. So I want us to talk today about how to do that. I want you to number these, write them down, because I'm going to give you three keys, and they're going to be so simple, but yet the ways of God are so simple. The number one key to walking in this agape love is the realization that this agape love is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now, we say that all the time, but we need to realize, we need to let it come alive what that means. This is not the fruit of our labor. Agape love is not our self-fruit. Now later look up Galatians 5 verse 16, but it tells us that if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Now most of the time we read that and what computes in our mind, we're thinking that if we really work hard at not fulfilling all the desires of the flesh, then we're going to be able to walk in the Spirit. But that's not what it's saying. See, it's saying... Walk in the Spirit, then you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. The means by which we quit fulfilling the desires of the flesh is by walking in the Spirit, walking in His love. Now, we can't grow that fruit of love in our own strength. We can't do it. Galatians 5 verse 22 tells us that love is the fruit that comes from the Holy Spirit. Now, the fruit of our old self-nature is anything but love. Before we were born again, love was not a part of our self-nature. So this is only going to work as we allow him to develop that fruit on the inside of us. Now, I heard an evangelist once ask the question. He said, have you ever passed by a fruit tree or a grapevine and heard the vine just groaning and straining while it was trying to produce fruit? He said, have you ever heard a vine doing that? Well, of course we haven't. See, as long as the branches just abide there on the vine, just stay connected to the vine, that fruit finally just produces on its own. It just comes forth. First the little blossom comes, and then you'll see the green fruit, and then finally it'll ripen. See, it's the vine that produces the fruit. Those branches don't have to work and struggle. They just stay connected to the vine. Now, we don't produce this fruit. This fruit of love comes from the Holy Spirit. And as we abide in the vine, as we abide in the Holy Spirit, He then will produce that fruit in us. It's so easy when we realize God is the one that will do it as we abide in Him. Now, some people will discipline their actions with a lot of self-control and self-restraint, and it can look really good. As they do that, they can appear to be very pleasing in the world. But if it's not the Holy Spirit that's manifesting His love through that person, then that self-restraint isn't going to last forever. And there's going to come a time that there's going to be hurts and feelings that they keep pushing down. And they may push them down and keep them down temporarily, but suppressed feelings will eventually show up. They'll eventually come back up. So I'm talking about something different today. I'm talking about something supernatural when I talk about the more excellent way. That's why the Holy Spirit was saying through Paul, I'm going to show you a more excellent way. He said, I'm going to show you the way of God. 
Now, I'm not talking about learning by the arm of flesh how to walk in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 or we'd all give up. We couldn't last 15 minutes. I'm talking about realizing that it is a fruit of the Holy Spirit and it's something that's supernatural. It's a supernatural fruit production. Now, there's a story that Smith Wigglesworth told in one of his books about his wife, Polly. He said that before he started walking with the Lord, that he knew a little bit about the Word of God, and so he got to really feeling his oats one day, and he told Polly, I know that the Bible says that I'm the head of this house, and the Bible tells me that you're supposed to submit to me, and I'm telling you that you're not going to church anymore. And he said that Polly very calmly said, Yes, Smith, you are the head of this home, and I will be submissive to you, but my Lord tells me that I'm to go to church. And she went on to say, I'm not neglecting you, and I'm not neglecting our children, and I'm not at church all the time, but God tells me not to forsake the assembling together of the believers. Therefore, I have to obey Him. And so Smith said, that's okay. You just go right ahead and obey Him. But if you go, the door's going to be locked when you get home tonight. And so she went to church, and she came home, and the door was locked. And the next morning, he got up and he opened the door and he found her huddled over there in the corner of the porch where she had slept all night. But he said when he opened the door that she popped up in the best mood. She was happy. She was smiling. And she went in and started getting the breakfast ready. And he said that it absolutely blew him away. Now there is no way that a person can do that apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe we could do it once if we used enough self-control. But you couldn't keep up that kind of thing. Now, and so we hear a story like that and we say, not me. <laughs> Nobody's going to run over me like that. They're not going to get by with that. But see, she was being led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit told her what to do in that particular situation. And when she did it, she benefited first. How many times have we lost our temper over something that somebody did to us and we got really angry? And boy, I tell you what, when we do that, then we go through days of being miserable because we've lost our joy and we've lost our peace and we've dug ourselves into a hole and it takes time to dig ourselves back out of the hole. But see, she benefited first because she never had to dig out of that hole. She never lost her peace. She never lost her joy. And she never lost the vision of what God was doing in her situation. She never lost sight of that because she was being led by the Spirit. And then finally, when Smith benefited from it, it changed her whole world because he went on to become one of the greatest men of faith that the world's ever known. And he attributed every bit of it to that agape love that flowed through his wife. He said she was continuously led by the Holy Spirit. And most of us have read his books and we know the supernatural things that happened in his life. Now, we can hear a story like that, and we can throw up our hands. We can say, I can't. There's no way. Forget it. I can't get there from here. Or we can hear a story like that, and we can run out by the arm of flesh, and we can try with everything that's in us to do it just exactly right, and we're still going to eventually fail miserably. And most of us have done it both ways. There's times when we said, I just can't, and there's other times when we said, okay, Lord, I'm going to try with all my might to do it. But God's saying, no, neither way is right. He's saying, I want you to do it my way. I'm asking you to move into a supernatural realm. It's the new nature that's inside of us. And we many times have not learned to walk in that new nature, but it's there. The Holy Spirit living within us. And he wants us to learn to walk by the power of the Holy Spirit, by asking the Holy Spirit to begin to develop that fruit of love on the inside of us. 
We have to come to a place where we desire it and where we seek after it with every fiber of our being and where we come to the place where we know we cannot do it in our own strength. Now look on at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. I'm reading out of the Amplified. But it says, eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this kind of love. Make it your aim and make it your great quest. So we have to come to a place where we desire this, where we want it with everything in our being, where it is a number one priority and we do eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this great love, but we seek to acquire it God's way. We make it our aim, we make it our great quest. Because God knew that we're not going to have it if we don't desire it first. And we're not going to have it unless we realize that, Lord, I can't do it apart from you. And we seek it by seeking the Holy Spirit. Now, anytime we start seeking after something like this, we need to expect that it might not go quite as well as we've envisioned it to go at first. I'm sure Polly Wigglesworth probably had some times where it didn't go as well at first. But the end results can be so good. It's worth anything it takes to go ahead and do it God's way. I can remember years ago when I heard Jack first pray the prayer, Lord, I desire a love walk with you. And I remember thinking, that sounds so good. I want to love walk with the Lord too. And I started praying that. And I thought I really meant it. But it wasn't long after that that relationships around me, some of them began to crumble. And I thought, Lord, what is happening? And the Lord began to show me that his word says that if we can't agape love each other, who we see all the time, then we're never going to be able to come into an agape love walk with him when we don't see him in the physical realm. So I realized that if I did sincerely, like it said, eagerly pursue and sincerely want this love walk with God, then the place I had to start was in a love walk with man. I don't mean that you necessarily start there, but you can't leave it out. You can't leave that part out. The Lord didn't leave us in this world to go up on some mountain and hide ourselves from the rest of the world and just commune with Him. Now, sometimes that sounds like it would be good, but if that's what He had wanted, then He would have just taken us on to heaven the minute we got saved. See, we live our lives out in this world in order to develop a love walk with one another. That's what He said. You will know them by the love that they have for each other. So it's really not one or the other. When we're walking in agape love, we're going to be walking both in a relationship with God vertically and in a relationship, a love walk with fellow man horizontally. And it'll affect both areas of our life. Okay, so the number two key then that makes this whole thing work is Holy Spirit partnership. Now, what do I mean by Holy Spirit partnership? Every situation that you encounter is going to be different. You can't come up with a formula that maybe worked beautifully at one time and then decide, okay, this worked so well that I'm going to do this every single time because if we do that, we're going to get very disappointed. Agape love will manifest in a unique way in every different situation because every situation is going to be unique. And that's why it takes partnership with the Holy Spirit to know exactly what to do. Now, the Holy Spirit's not going to just take us over. He's not going to do that. Even when we start out our day by saying, Oh, Holy Spirit, I want you to lead and guide me this day. And, you know, we'll pray that prayer and we'll feel good about that. And that's great to start the day out that way. But it's not going to work unless moment by moment we're getting direction for each different situation. 
Because otherwise, you're going to get in the middle of your afternoon and you're going to forget that you even prayed and ask the Holy Spirit to take over. And we take the reins back. And so it's a partnership. It's moment by moment being led by the Spirit every moment of the day. Now, some people have learned to discipline their actions by sheer willpower. And that's not what I'm talking about. I don't want you to think in terms of willpower today. Self-restraint will appear many times to the world to be right, but agape love goes beyond just a discipline. Agape love is a love walk. It's a partnership in the Spirit. Agape love cannot be legislated. I want you to look at verse 5. It's not conceited, it's not arrogant and inflated with pride, it's not rude, unmannerly, does not act unbecomingly. It does not insist on having its own rights or its own way, for it's not self-seeking, it's not touchy, fretful, resentful. It does not take into an account an evil done to it, pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Okay, we can't do that with self-restraint. We might put on a good show, but underneath, we're going to find that the hurt's still going to be there, and we'll continue to feel very frustrated and defeated until we hear that it's just as simple as coming to a mud puddle and saying, God, please carry me over it. It's as simple as that. It's the difference between trying to tiptoe across a mud puddle, balancing on the few little rocks that are sticking up above the mud, or saying, Lord, carry me over. God's ways are so simple. It's a total dependence on the Holy Spirit as our partner, moment by moment. It's a Holy Spirit partnership that starts in the morning and it goes all day long even as we awake in the middle of the night, that it's a constant knowing that the Holy Spirit's there. He never leaves us and He never forsakes us. Okay, the number three key is the realization that agape love is an action. Now, the God kind of love is never passive. It's not where we roll over and play dead and we say, okay, whatever comes. Oh, well, I'm just walking in love, whatever. It's not that. See, if this love that you're walking in is passive, then you're not walking in the God kind of love, the agape love. I'm going to give you another example. This is a true story. This particular pastor left, and another pastor came in to take his place. And the attendance immediately dropped off badly. And so the new pastor got very, very bitter. And he began to say all kinds of things against the first pastor that had left. So this first pastor heard these things that were being said against him, and he immediately chose to forgive the man. But agape love now is always going to go into action. There's always going to be an action. So not only did he forgive the man, but he began praying and saying, Okay, Holy Spirit, tell me what to do. And the Lord instructed him to start getting up every morning at 4 o'clock and praying for the man. So he began to get up every morning. He said that it was a good while that he was getting up every morning and he was praying and interceding for that man to be set free. See, agape love is Holy Spirit action. And so he had put action to it. And then after another while had gone by, the Holy Spirit led him to go and see the man and actually minister that love to him. So he said he drove to this little town and he said when he got there and drove up, the man was in the yard and he walked over to the car and he said that the man reached into the window and grabbed him by the necktie and started trying to choke him. And he said that immediately that old nature just began to start rising up on the inside of him and he said that 
All he wanted to do was just reach through that window and knock him halfway across the yard. He said everything in him wanted to do that. But he said all of a sudden a vision came to his mind and he said it was not a spiritual vision. He said he, all he could do was see the headlines of the newspaper. Two ministers of God fight it out in the front yard of a residential area. And he said so his pride kept him from doing what his flesh wanted to do. But he said that brought him back to his senses enough that he cried out to the Holy Spirit to take over. And he said that he began to hear himself minister to this man in love. See, we've got to realize that if we really expect it to happen, if we're really trusting the Holy Spirit and we're going to be led by him moment by moment, when a situation comes up and we cry out to God, God is going to give us exactly what to say and exactly what to do. And he said it surprised him because he said he heard himself ministering in love when two seconds before he had wanted to knock him out. But he said he heard himself telling him how he had gotten up every morning at four o'clock and had been praying for him and how much he wanted to see his church do well under his leadership. And he said while he was talking, the man just suddenly dropped to his knees and he said, I failed and I wanted to blame somebody. And he said, please forgive me, I need help desperately. See, something broke in the spiritual realm. Now, we can never reason out how agape love is going to act and then try to go out and force ourselves to do it right. It just won't work that way if we bring this up out of our reasoning because agape love is God's love flowing through us. It's God making the decisions. And only the Holy Spirit can tell you what to do and then actually do it through you. That's why the Bible tells us to become like a child. Now, when we try to figure out what to do, it's never going to accomplish the highest good. Reason is never going to bring us the results that a Holy Spirit-directed action is going to accomplish. I went to a dinner at a friend's house, and she fixed this really nice casserole. I looked and tasted the casserole, so I could pretty well figure out what she had in it. So I didn't ask for the recipe. I just went home, and out of my reasoning and out of what I remembered, I made that casserole, and it didn't taste the same. I didn't do it her way, and I didn't get her results. Now, if I wanted her results, I would have had to have gotten her recipe and I would have had to have done it her way. Well, it's exactly the same way with the Holy Spirit. It's His fruit of love. Galatians 5.22 says the fruit of the Spirit is love. Love is the fruit of the Spirit. And if we want His results, we're going to have to do it His way. We're going to have to hear Him. Now, that pastor, he could have simply chosen to forgive and that would have been a very godly thing to do. But the man would probably have continued to talk against him. And as he continued to hear those things that were being said against him, finally that would have gone into him and it would have caused a lot of hurt. He finally might have gotten out of the spirit and the other man would probably have never been set free. So it wasn't good enough to just choose not to retaliate. He had to choose to act out what agape love was going to do. And the only way he could know that is by hearing the Holy Spirit. Now, it can actually be fun when you start this agape love walk. It can actually be fun to see how the Holy Spirit will manifest this agape love to work out different situations. It can be a fun thing. It may be a different action every single time. Now, some people have a cure-all answer that they use for everything. Maybe it's worked for them once and they decide, okay, this has worked and they try it every single time. 
For example, I've heard people say, you know, if you have unforgiveness, then go to that person and tell them that you have ought against them and ask them to forgive you. And they see that as just a cure-all. Well, that's fine if that's what the Holy Spirit's telling you to do. But if the Holy Spirit's not telling you to do that, then don't do it because I've seen people become devastated when somebody came to them and told them that they had ought against them. And here they were just shocked that all these people had ought against them and it just nearly blew them away. So what will work in one situation can be devastating in another situation. Agape love is custom made for every situation and that's why verse 8 tells us that it never fails when we're Holy Spirit led. See, agape love is custom made and it's divinely orchestrated and carried out by the Holy Spirit as he gives us the instructions. We carry it out. We're in partnership with him. You may not see results overnight, but Holy Spirit led agape love action will work for you. It'll work for you every single time, whether other people receive it or not. And you may not actually hear words. In other words, when you're being led by the Holy Spirit, you may not actually hear words, but you may just have this peaceful knowing. But if you're expecting it, the Holy Spirit will guide to tell you what to do. One girl was telling me that she was having trouble with a family member and she so desperately wanted a relationship with this particular family member and she had tried everything that she could think of to do. And she was just about ready to give up and she said she cried out and said, Lord, I truly want a relationship with this particular family member. Show me what to do. And she said, just out of the clear blue sky, she heard this one thing. It was just kind of like a mind thought that went through her mind. Take them to dinner. And she said that sounded so simple. She thought that can't work. But she went ahead and was obedient. And she said that as supernatural as it sounds, she said from that moment on, it was amazing because it changed things and just turned it completely around. And she said she had done some things that she thought was a lot better, would have shown a lot more love. But that one thing was what the Holy Spirit guided her to do. And so sometimes it'll be so simple, but when it's the Holy Spirit action, it works. Now, it doesn't matter how reasonable our actions can sound to our mind. It's never going to work as well as his plan. I read a story about this female preacher, and she said that, this actually happened that when she went to this town, she was confronted by a pastor who just couldn't stand the ground that she walked on. And she said that he would speak against her, even from the pulpit, and call her by name. And she said she continued to forgive him, but finally she said, Holy Spirit, what do I do? How can I minister love in this particular case? And the Holy Spirit told her to take up an offering and send it to him. And she said that she took up an offering, she sent it to him, and she said she was preaching from his pulpit within a year. <laughs> The Holy Spirit, he'll always bring an action and because it's the Holy Spirit's action and because he knows what action it's going to take to change the situation, then we'll see changes. Like I say, maybe not overnight, but it'll happen. Now for the person who's living in an abusive situation where they're continually being hurt over and over, these three keys are going to work, but sometimes that person is going to need somebody to help them kind of get their nose above water so they can start hearing the Holy Spirit. Sometimes there's been so many hurts that they're going to need somebody to be able to help them to get through it. Agape love doesn't mean being a doormat. And some people hear that, that's what they think it is. But that's not the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love does not mean that you have to subject yourself to being put down continually in attitude or in action. That's not God. 
It's not agape love to allow that kind of thing to continue because that would destroy the very person that you were trying to give love to. Now, I find that out of desperation, what most people have done when they've been in an abusive situation is they've started putting a wall around themselves. They've started building walls. And sometimes that wall has gotten so high and so thick, and the reason they've done that is because in their heart, subconsciously, they've thought, I'm never going to let anybody hurt me again. And that's why a lot of times they have to have help to be able to get out of the hole so that they can start walking in this. But that's a self-protection. That's not agape love, and it's not going to work. Jack said one sentence to me years ago, and it really rang true. He said, walls will destroy, but boundaries will protect. And I've thought about that so many times. A person may need godly counsel to help them learn how to set those boundaries because it's not agape love to allow the flesh in somebody else or even to allow a demon spirit control or continually harass. And so the person has to determine that they're going to tear down the wall. They're going to allow the Lord to help them become vulnerable again. And then the, the love of the Holy Spirit will be able to flow to them and from them again. Now, it helps in, to have somebody. Sometimes they have to have somebody to help them to put those boundaries out to be able to say that's far enough. I care about you and I care about me too much to allow you to continue in this. See, the truth that's spoken in love has the power to set the situation free. Now, in the example that I gave you earlier about Polly Wigglesworth, she didn't wall herself off in hurt and self-pity and bitterness. She could have done that. She could have put a wall around herself, but she kept those lines of communication open with her husband where that love could flow from her to get to him, but she definitely put down some boundaries. She was putting down boundaries when she said, Smith, you are the head of this home, but my Lord has told me that I'm to go to church and I will be obedient to him. So she very clearly in love set those boundaries. It didn't wall her off from her husband, but it was a boundary that didn't allow her to be controlled by ungodly flesh. Now, if the other person chooses not to abide by the boundary that's been set by the direction of the Holy Spirit, then they've made the choice to walk away. You know, you didn't wall them off. It's still love, and it won't fail for anyone who chooses to enjoy the benefits of it. No matter how bad your situation might be or how good you may have it, we cannot afford the luxury of not walking in agape love. Now, later you can look up 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. But it says, it's the love of Christ that is to control us. The love of Christ is to control us. Nothing else is to control us, but the love of Christ is to control us. Now, according to this 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if jealousy is there and we're allowing jealousy to come forth, then agape love is not in control. You can just go down the list. If pride and rudeness are there, then agape love is not in control. If we're self-seeking and we're selfish in the things that, that we're doing, then agape love is not in control. If we're operating in hurt or we're operating in self-pity or rejection, then agape love is not in control. That's how that can be your guide. That can be your barometer. Think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was facing torture and pain and suffering beyond anything that had ever been endured before. And he was walking in a fleshly body at that time. 
And yet, when Peter cut the ear off the slave, we find that Jesus stopped right there in the midst of all the confusion, everything that was going on, everything that he was facing. He stopped, and in total unselfishness, agape love acted, and Jesus stopped, and he healed the man. Now, no human discipline can operate that way for any length of time. It's impossible. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's the action of the Holy Spirit when we're being led by Him and when we're being controlled by His love. I've often thought about all the people that were going to be in the crowd the next day hollering, crucify Him. And I've thought about that slave so many times, and I've thought, you know, if he had been there in the crowd... I think that every time that he started to get caught up in the crowd to holler crucify him, I believe that he reached up and he touched that ear and he couldn't do it because the Holy Spirit action and true agape love had brought about a miracle. And I don't believe he could shake it. I don't believe he could have been a part of that. Now the world sings the song, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. And we hear that, the world sings it. But that's really not what the world's needing, love, sweet love. What the world needs now is agape love, the God kind of love. And it's not a mushy love. It's not a permissive emotion that the world has made it out to be. Sometimes the world has love, as, and they've mistakenly called it love, when it's just a permissive, mushy something that, that's not love. It's not what God has given to us. This kind of love that it's talking about is steadfast, it's bold, it's obedient to the Word. It's the kind of love that lets the power of the Holy Spirit go forth. And it's always done in kindness. It's done without pride. It's done without haughtiness. It's done without being rude. It's done without any kind of selfish motivation. It's done without retaliation. And this kind of love is God's love, so it's always going to fall perfectly in line with the Word of God. It's always going to rejoice in truth. It's going to rejoice in righteousness. It's going to look for the best in other people. It's going to be directed by the Holy Spirit. And it's going to be developed in us, not by the arm of flesh, but it's going to be developed in us as we abide in Him, as we abide in the vine. So if you'll take those three simple little steps and realize that it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit has to be our partner moment by moment, and, and that the way we move into that is the realization that we just come into partnership and into a relaxation in His love and we abide in Him, then the Holy Spirit will do the rest. And it's always an action. Father, I thank You. I thank You in the name of Jesus that You have offered us Your love. Lord, I thank You that we don't have to just depend on a fleshly love or a soulish love, but I thank you, Father, you have offered us agape love, your God kind of love. And we don't have to make it happen. We just simply have to submit to you. We have to allow you to operate it through us. Father, I thank you that as we abide in you, then you develop the fruit. You grow the fruit in our life. Now, Lord, I'm asking that from this moment forth, that today we're going to make the choice that we're going to walk in a partnership with you in order that this agape love can flow through us. Lord, that we're going to come to a place where we do seek to acquire this kind of love and that we make this our aim and our great quest. Plant that desire, Father, in each of our hearts. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. 
Please share this teaching with anyone you think it would minister to. If you would like to listen to more in-depth teachings, please sign up for our Psalm 91 family at PeggyJoyceRuth.org.